0: Well, getting close to uh, waking the kids up for school. And uh, remember, today is Pink Shirt Day, encouraging uh, students to wear pink to uh, remind everyone to stop bullying. And the teachers, of course, uh, have said no noon-hour supervision in five school divisions, including Regina Public Schools today. Get all the information now at cjme.com. A gentleman by the name of Caleb Watson. Recently, took an epic journey. He paddled three thousand kilometers across the wilderness of the Northwest Territories completely alone, and he is set to share how he did it tonight at the Saskatchewan Science Center, seven o'clock. If you want to go, uh, it'll be a more up close and personal appearance. But I invited him to be on the show. To give us a, a little advance on this. Good morning, Caleb. Welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks so much for having me, Greg.
0: My pleasure. When did you leave, and how long did it take you to paddle 3,000 kilometers through the Northwest Territories?
1: I left on May 18th, and I finished on September 16th, so it was a little over 120 days.
0: Is that what you expected to do it in, or did you come in under or over?
1: Uh, definitely over. it. If I, if I really wanted to, I probably could have, maybe done it in a hundred or so, but I I really wanted to kind of take my time and enjoy the journey.
0: I bet it was a beautiful journey, but uh, why'd you do it?
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) This is something I touched in my presentation because, yeah, it seems crazy, but for me, there's a number of reasons. Uh, You really just get to experience nature, experience the wilderness, uh, the challenge. In a canoe trip, it's kind of like going back to live a simpler life, kind of connected to nature and yeah, it's really it's uh, really liberating, I find.
0: I bet it would be. Now, I enjoy uh, hopping in the car and having to drive a few hours on my own and uh, you know, left with my thoughts. But uh, you were gone a lot longer than that. How did it make you feel?
1: Yeah, being alone was probably definitely one of the toughest challenges of the trip. But a, a lot of time for self-reflection, I can definitely say I learned a lot about myself and about life.
0: And, and what was better in your journey, Caleb? Was it the scenery? Uh, or th- maybe you met the people. Uh, uh, I'm sure we're a big part of it, too. What was better?
1: Um, yeah, I can say surprisingly, although I didn't meet many people out there, uh, meeting the people is probably one of the biggest takeaways of that trip for sure. The people up there were incredibly kind. And whenever I did come to a little remote community, I always quickly found somebody who was pretty much just willing to give me the shirt off their back to help me out.
0: Cool. Calem Watson is my guest. He took an epic journey paddling 3,000 kilometers uh, through the Northwest Territories Wilderness all alone, sharing a story tonight at the Science Center at 7. I love the pre-planning you did on your journey too, which included mailing in advance what you might need uh, throughout certain spots you had mapped out. Tell me a bit about that.
1: Yeah, so basically just uh, obviously it's a long journey, so you can't necessarily take all the food, food you need at once or else you're going to be pretty heavy. So I would just, yeah, pack up Rubbermaids with dried food and just mail them via Canada post to a couple of the remote communities along the way.
0: Brilliant. Uh, for safety, you were tracked by GPS. Was there ever a moment though you thought, okay, I, I've been off a little more than I can chew and I need help now?
1: Um Yeah, if you, I won't spoil it. If you come to the presentation, there was a couple, there was probably one time and uh, one time was really I guess and when you go on a trip like this, you generally, there's always the risk, but you pretty much can always avoid it. But there was one time where I ended up in a set of rapids that was much larger than I originally thought it was, and I was quite worried.
0: Were you ever attacked by a bear?
1: Uh, thankfully, no. Okay, good. <laughs> I just thought <laughs> I checked. All right.
0: What was the feeling like at the end of your journey, having paddled 3,000 kilometers, uh... Uh, through the Northwest Territories, uh, tell me about the moment you crossed the finish line. Who was there? How did it unfold?
1: Um, yeah, it was it was an incredible feeling to finish and kind of uh, accomplish a goal, but at the same time, it was definitely a mixed feeling because you know I was really loving that journey, and it was uh, pretty crazy to, for it to be finished after I'd been on it for so long.
0: And and uh, and did your parents were were they backing you? Were they there when you finished, or how did you finish?
1: Yeah, so it's, funny when i first left on this trip my parents maybe thought i was a little crazy for doing this but as i went they kind of got more and more invested in it and uh, they actually met me at the finish so it was really incredible to have my family there at the end
2: well
0: i look uh, forward to inviting uh, as many as possible tonight to the science center because i know you'll have visuals and uh, go expand a little more on this but uh, yeah. the most burning question i think a lot of my listeners have who love the great outdoors is what mosquito repellent did you use up there
1: I actually did not take any bug spray.
0: Come on. Bugs were not
1: a problem? Uh, the bugs can definitely be a problem, but I typically rely on either covering up all my skin or moving quickly.
0: And that is why you could do it, but I could not. <laughs> oh, at least I wouldn't do it without a bug spray. <laughs> hey, Caleb, thank you so much for popping in this morning. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me
3: what's love but a second hand emotion what's love got to do got to do with it who
0: needs a heart andrew Shepard joining me now from the 980 cjma newsroom and i challenge you Shep, uh, to explain
2: what the teachers are up to and how it affects us all here today. Challenge accepted. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. today uh, there there are no rotating strikes. This is uh, no noon hour and no extracurric- extracurriculars today. Uh, no noon hour supervision at all Regina public schools. That's all that Regina is being affected today. Uh, it's a big day for Prairie Valley because there's no noon hour supervision for Prairie Valley School Division and no extracurriculars in Prairie Valley. Actually, that's the same for Isle of La as well. Um, and then there's other school divisions all across the province that are also um, in with no noon hour and no extracurriculars. We have those details at cjme.com.
0: If I could just add, please, teachers, just make it s- simple for us parents to keep track here, okay? No noon hour supervision, no extracurricular activities. Just combine them because <laughs> this yeah, school one day has that. Yeah, thing. Combine them. I know it would make it easier for parents to understand, easier for us radio. <laughs> no, I feel like seriously. this is on
2: purpose as well to... <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, well, clearly, the extent, yeah. there's a method to the madness here, and uh, no matter uh, what you think, it just would be easier uh, if I could recommend for the teachers to do that. All right, on a serious note, let's go to uh, day two of that inquest in Saskatoon. Our Laura Fomanoff is going to join us after the news here at the top of the hour, but this inquest gave us an answer that uh, many of us thought, oh, that might have been what happened, but now we really know for sure.
2: Yeah, this was suspected uh, considering his uh, Miles Sanders since past uh, dealing drugs on the James Smith Cree Nation. We found out, finally, how he died in police custody. He died from a massive, a massive cocaine overdose. A doctor who did the post-mortem toxicology test says he had 10 times the amount of cocaine in his system that would normally kill someone. One of the highest levels she's ever seen in her career. More details at
0: cjme.com. Shep, I know that you and I have uh, gone to the fair and maybe we've gone into a haunted mansion of sorts you know those cheesy ones they have on the fairgrounds yeah. been disappointed hardly any scares it was just a dark room or back in the glory days where they'd have you know the world's smallest horse or something like that you'd be disappointed this is a similar story today uh and it happened in my like, glasgow scotland over the weekend a lot of people thought the pictures, the videos, look spectacular. They're going to the Willy Wonka Chocolate Factory.
2: But it was not. Yeah, you know, they, they put out all these AI-generated photos. It makes it look like, you know, something from the movie where it's just a room filled with candy and a totally immersive experience, it promised. But what, what happened was the kids were reduced to tears uh, because it was really nothing. They, they the Parents paid 60 bucks Canadian, about uh, 35 pounds, and uh, all they got, they arrived at like a pretty near empty warehouse. There was a couple, like maybe a candy cane here and one rainbow over there. It was very sparsely oh, decorated. Yeah. Uh, and, and then there's just a room with like picnic tables <laughs> and one small bouncy castle in the corner. It was not as advertised. No. You
0: see what they advertised. The pictures pictures. are, it's
2: like, 60 bucks for this? Oh, I mean, there's an actor hired to play Willy Wonka. He said this is where dreams go to die. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They got their money back, I guess. Some people were even
0: calling the police from uh, the experience to say, you got to come see this. This is not as advertised. Thank you, Shep. Cjm News time now is 657. Well, I know cruise by the seats over at the Brent Center, been working tirelessly getting uh, the ice ready and the sheets are in for the Montana's Briar this weekend. It starts Friday. Jamie Nye taking the green zone on location there. And uh, the place is going to rock. Literally all the uh, best in the curly world are here. And if you want to go for free, I've got tickets, including VIP treatment for this weekend. I have taken three rock titled songs here yes rock is in every song title that i mashed together here do you know what these three songs are oh, my darling. Oh, my baby. Well, ain't this yeah if you think you know the song titles then shoot me a text now one include the correct answers in your name and if you got them right well then i'll put you in the draw And after 8 o'clock, I'll announce uh, who the grand prize winner is here. Actually, before 8 o'clock, I'm going to announce that grand prize winner. So shoot me the text now. Well, yesterday we learned from a pathologist that Miles Sanderson died from a cocaine overdose shortly after his arrest in September 2022. Uh, Sanderson, of course, the man who killed 11 on the James Smith Cree Nation and nearby Weldon. And our senior, uh our, pardon me, our reporter, Lara Formanoff, uh, has uh, more from day two of the corners in question. Saskatoon, Lara, I almost gave you a title that uh, uh, it goes to Lisa Schick, but hey, maybe you are uh, a senior reporter there. You're in Saskatoon right now. <laughs> Yeah, I am the senior reporter. So that's- <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I got to I gotta stick to my program more often of our staff here, Lara. Thank you for taking the time to join me here for a moment. So uh, this inquest, we, we discovered cocaine overdose. But you know what I was curious about? And I know you'll have the answer for me here. What did the pathologist say about inducing it upon his arrest? Was it as if he had just suddenly got caught and took as much as he could? Or was it in addition to what? Might have been taken earlier in the day.
4: Uh, it was acute cocaine toxicity, is is what he called it. So it was a massive cocaine overdose. Um, he had Miles Sanderson essentially had more than ten times the amount of cocaine that would normally cause a fatal overdose in his system, and that was probably taken maybe fifteen to twenty minutes or so um, from the time that he that he started to go into medical distress when he was pulled over on the side of Highway 11 in that grassy ditch and, and started to convulse and, and so forth. He also had uh, cocaine in his system that had already metabolized some of that. Um, and then also contributing to his death that could not be ruled out as a secondary cause was coronary artery disease. So he had one of his, his left ventricle was 80 to 90 percent blocked. And the action of, um, you know, speeding down a highway, going up to 165 kilometers an hour, you know, swerving in at a traffic with police, that whole entire chase would have elevated his heart rate such that, you know, because of all the cocaine that he ingested, his body simply couldn't take it anymore.
0: Wow. And it seems, too, the dash cam video was rather enlightening in the fact that it helped us hear from him before his death upon arrest. Can you share what you learned from that?
4: Absolutely. So Ken Kane is a Saskatoon police sergeant who was tasked with, you know, finding out whether RCMP actions contributed to Miles Sanderson's death. And he found that they did not. Um, so there was a dash cam video that was played for all of us a few times yesterday. And it showed that when Miles Sanderson was pulled out of uh, his, the Chevy Avalanche he'd stolen, that um, he had, or, you know, some cocaine in his possession. but that he really showed no remorse at all. He, uh one of the first things he said to the officers was, how come you guys didn't shoot me, and why the F didn't you shoot me? Um, he also told uh, police a short time later uh, that he was ready to die. Um And, uh, you know, it wasn't too long after that that you could sort of see his head um, sort of move back and his body stiffen up uh and it he started he sort of started shaking a little bit and he was you know put on to he was on one side of an suv he was moved over they were going to put him into an another rcmp suv and he sort of collapsed on the ground um and you know according to some officers who were there blood started coming out of his nose he started foaming at the mouth um and he collapsed to the ground. That's when uh, life-saving measures were started on him. Uh, they gave him some naloxone, two doses of that. But according to you know, the, the pathologist, that does nothing to reverse the cocaine effect. And um, they started um, CPR on him, and that lasted for several minutes until uh, paramedics arrived.
0: Laura Fominoff of the Miles Sanderson Inquest in Saskatoon. Uh, you'll be there throughout the day today. Great job on uh, uh, tweeting all the information out, too. I highly recommend anyone who isn't already following it on X 2 so. What's your handle there, Laura?
4: It's at Lara Fominoff.
0: <laughs> Pretty easy. <laughs> Senior reporter in Saskatoon, <laughs> too, I might add. Uh, thank you so much for the update. I appreciate it.
4: You bet. Anytime. What about us? What about all the broken,
2: happy ever?
0: Frank, my producer. Uh, stop the music, Frank. Stop
3: the music. Yes, thank you very much. Breaking news. Evan Bray just announced he might shovel his driveway tonight. Don't we have like a special uh, breaking news sounder that we, we could use We saved that there? for the real news.
0: <laughs> just yesterday, I was telling the world how you never seem to worry about shoveling your driveway. I call it
3: online shaming is what you were doing.
0: Uh, did you hear from others yesterday after I... I, I my wife.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you might shovel I tonight. said
3: today's the day. The weather's going to break. I'll clean her up. I'll <laughs> clean it up.
0: <laughs> it's going to be plus seven tomorrow. You may as well wait. It'll melt. <laughs> well, if I clean it up, it'll take her right down to the concrete. Oh, brother. Okay. <laughs> hey, what what do you think of my idea, my advice for the teachers here? Because, you know, today there's you know, uh, there's no supervision over noon hours here and there. There's no extracurricular activities. Justifying it, do them
3: both. At the so same then we're time, we're not
0: confused because I, that's the one thing I hear from parents is is today it's no new no it's no extracurricular right but we do have I out. agree with you
3: hundred percent I heard you talking about that earlier today and I thought you know that's bang on because yesterday I was going to kind of lay it out for the province I basically said check the website yeah like it's it's impossible it's hard to keep track yeah to break it down to different divisions and what the you know what the sanctions are so it is a bit confusing and I think that's causing parents to to get a bit frustrated over this. It's for sure it, it certainly is okay coming up on your show uh, later on today you've got an invasive invasive species expert Yes. Well, they, you know, the province just announced that they're putting the spotlight on this for the next week. Invasive species uh, can be a big problem. Cockroaches. Well, <laughs> I'm hearing lots of stories about
0: cockroaches that, lately here I mean, in our province.
3: That's not exactly what they're talking about, but oh, you're right. Cockroaches okay. are right. Zebra mussels is a good example. What
0: is a zebra mussel?
3: These little pesky critters yeah. are in Manitoba in abundance. In fact, they're taking over the lakes in Manitoba. Saskatchewan right now, I don't even think we have any, but of course they're worried. Someone dips their boat in the water in oh, Manitoba, yeah. oh, doesn't okay. clean it properly, comes back, we get them. And they they can cause havoc in in water. They eat all the algae, they can plug up water intake lines. They're a big problem. So, right. so you're not gonna talk cockroaches there? Well, I'll, I'll amazing- bring it up. For <laughs> you, Greg, I'll bring it up. I'll see what she says.
0: Honestly, there have been a few businesses that well, have been we, I know
3: there's been a few spottings in Regina for sure, and businesses. I don't think they're jumping. <laughs> up and down about it. I
0: think if you spot a cockroach <laughs> you know you don't say oh there's a cockroach yeah. there's a scream it's, usually it's
3: an invasive species yeah,
0: that, well yes exactly <laughs> and uh okay so and you have my friend Jen Sharp from, uh, from Flat Out Food uh host who focuses on uh Saskatchewan homegrown goods and food yeah have you read her book I have she gave me her book yeah. in, uh a while back and yes I, I love Jen because I've had her on the show so many times and she enlightens me to there are so many small rural centers that have specific foods and items, whether it be honey or what they're growing. And I never knew until I met her.
3: Yeah, one of the questions I'm going to ask her is finish the sentence. When you're in blank, you've got to try the blank. Because I'm guessing whether it's Seanovan or Rokenville, each community has these little, you're right, these little, whether they're restaurants or just food specialties that are custom to their community and they're a must try all right so uh, i could do the craft beer <laughs> <laughs> you could fill in the blanks I fill
0: in the blanks on the craft beer where it's good all right mr bray i uh, look forward to uh you shoveling tonight i want to <laughs> oh, almost give, give your address so I, give that a, people can drive by to see this the first time you can give history. a report tomorrow morning thank you see you back here at 8 30